Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Good morning. I hope all of you are doing well. We are so thrilled and excited that you're able to join us for our Easter celebration. Especially a warm welcome to all of you who are joining us for the first time through the invitation of your friends or your family member, or your colleagues, uh, your roommate, classmate. We're so glad that you joined us and we pray that this day will be a blessed day. It will encourage you and help you to get to know a little bit more of who Jesus Christ is. For the rest of us who is part of our church family here, we're glad that you're able to join us. This is a special day as Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. And we want to talk about the Easter message and what that means for us. Throughout this whole week, uh, it's called the Passion Week. It's a week of suffering for Jesus as we talked about on Friday as he went through uh, the suffering and through the death on the cross, through all that, then he died, and now on third day, he rose again from the dead. And that's why we celebrate as followers of Jesus Christ. Hopefully, all of you have received the notes. If you do have your Bibles, you could turn to Psalm 23. It might not seem like a typical Easter passage. It's a passage that many of you are familiar with, but I hope at the end you'll understand why it is so important as we talk about Easter. Uh, I wanted to start off and ask a question, and I'm wondering, have you ever felt a time in your life where your life was actually thriving rather than just surviving? That you really felt like your life was actually thriving instead of just surviving? I don't know about you, but uh, how many of us are tired of just working from home. Some of you are slowly transitioning to going back to the office, and we've, we've been through this before. And then we had to go back to working from home, and now we're going back to working from in the office. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it just feels like you're surviving just to go back to work. And it, many of you have been so used to working in your pajamas and just a top on when you had to go on the video call. But it was great, wasn't it, for a little bit? But we're just surviving through this. I'm wondering how many of you are tired of online classes? And many of you are Zoomed out. I know I am just in terms of having conference calls every single day with people around the world. And after a while, it just you get Zoomed out. You don't want to see another screen. But then I'm always working on my computer, so you realize how tiring that is. And some of us are online because you're back home because the school, they canceled in person. And so if you're, if you're like many of us, if you're a student, you're Zoomed out. Also, I don't know how many of you have been ordering um, Food Panda, Food Panda, and Deliveroo. And after a while, I, I, this is kind of what I've been going through. Like sometimes I just let Christina order for me. I trust her in what she's going to order. But then there are times where I have to order. And you know how it works where you're like, okay, what, what, what am I going to order? And you go through this every single day. And then finally there's that little section where it says the previous order. So what do you do? <laughs> if you're like me, you're like, yeah, I ate that yesterday, but I'm going to eat it again. And so through all this, we're just trying to survive rather than really thriving in our lives. And I think the last couple of years as we've been through this whole pandemic, uh, Lord willing, we're going to come to the end of this. But through this whole process, I just felt like I'm just surviving whether, uh, regardless of what's going on, rather than thriving. I'm wondering if that's you. You're feeling as if you are just surviving rather than thriving. Uh, one of the things that I've been able to do is uh, I, I've been trying to get some videos to use as sermon illustrations and prepare for other things. And I came across this YouTube channel called How to Survive. I thought that was really interesting. And so as I was scrolling through it, I didn't watch all of them, but there's a lot of videos there. I was just looking through some of them. And it was interesting because they had all these videos of different episodes of how to survive. So they'll have something called how to survive a plane crash. You, you just never know, especially when you're flying and some of us are now slowly wanting to travel. Like how to survive a plane crash. I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like once it's going down, you just got to pray and ask the Lord for mercy. But how do you survive a plane crash? There's another one. It's called how to survive being trapped underwater. 
You know, so these are like the craziest things. So if, if you are an anxious person, you always worry about things, you might not want to check out this channel because it's going to cause you to freak out even more. So just think about how to survive underwater. Uh, they have another one called how to survive being kidnapped. I'm like, why do they have these types of things? It just fuels a lot more fear. And then there are some crazy ones called how to survive falling without a parachute. I was thinking, when, when are we going to ever fall off a plane or fall off somewhere without a parachute? And then here's another one, how to survive a zombie apocalypse. You know, so I'm just like, okay, this is getting a little bit weird. And I knew it was really weird when it says how to survive squid games. That's when I knew, okay, this is a little bit too much. But they did have one that I found really interesting, and it was called how to survive... Uh, being alone in the forest, like when you get lost. And I was thinking, how many hike trails do we have here in Hong Kong? And some of us, we might not have planned it well. It's late at night and we're getting lost. So I was just thinking, oh, this might be really interesting. So pretty much in this video, they're saying, how would you survive if you were somehow lost in a forest, in a deep forest? and there was no way out. You kept on getting lost in the midst of this. And so I wanted to show you this video, and pretty much what they're gonna do is they're gonna give you a handful of things to keep in mind, especially if when you are stuck in a forest or maybe a hike somewhere and you can't go down. So let's watch this video together. Are you ready now? You can survive in a forest. I don't know about you, but eating some of those bugs and things, we might not be able to survive. But think about our lives. There's so much going on, not only around the world, as there are world crises right now that are happening, but when you think about your own personal life right now, what you're facing, what you're going through, some of the different challenges and circumstances in your life, I'm wondering, are you able to survive? And more than surviving, do you have a vision for thriving in your life? You know, I think this is... This is the reason why we celebrate Easter. That the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the crux of our faith. All of you who call yourselves Christ followers and you put, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, everything hinges upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he is alive, that he is not a God that's dead or some kind of wooden thing that we worship, but he is alive in us. He is alive in this world that he is someone that's real, that we can experience and we can walk with and he can speak to us. This is the reason why that we don't just survive in this world as Christ followers, but we actually thrive and we will be a blessing to so many other people. I want to just speak to some of you who have come maybe for the first time and you're in a situation right now you're facing. Maybe after two years of the whole COVID-19 uh, COVID, uh, lockdown, some of us may be kind of just trying to survive. I'm wondering, is there something in your life and in your heart where you're saying, is there something more? Is there some greater hope that I'm longing for? Is there a greater purpose in life? And I have great news this morning, and it's simply this, that Jesus Christ, because he rose again from the dead, that he offers you this kind of hope and this kind of purpose in life. And because Jesus rose again from the dead, we are able to now thrive instead of just surviving. I love what Alexander McLaren said. He said this in his writings on 2 Corinthians and Galatians and Philippians. He writes this, The risen life of Jesus is the nourishment and strengthening and blessing and life of a Christian. Our daily experience ought to be that there comes wavelets by wavelets, that silent, gentle, and yet omnipotent influx into our empty hearts, this very life of Christ himself. What a powerful reminder for us. Because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead, that because we have trusted in him as our Lord and Savior, that that resurrected life, the, the risen life, is now in us. And so that it is our strength, it is our nourishment, so that we don't just survive in this world, but we actually thrive. So let me give us the one thing for us to remember. If there's nothing you get out of this message, I hope that you get this one message, and it's simply this. Because Jesus is alive, our lives are able 
to thrive. Because Jesus is alive, he resurrected from the dead, our lives are able to thrive. We're able to thrive in this world. You know, today on a 24-hour period, there will be people all over the world celebrating Easter. And that's such a powerful thought that there are so many people who believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why, as we talked about, because Jesus is alive, our lives are able to thrive. We can thrive and not just survive in this life. Now, when we look at this psalm, you might be thinking, well, this has nothing to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But hopefully at the end, you will see that there are a lot of connections to this resurrection life so that we can actually live a life that is thriving. The thing about this psalm, Psalm 23, it, it's, it's a famous psalm. Many of you know it. Many of you have heard it. They have plaques on it and different poems and different things that they write on it. The reason why the psalm is so important is that it has been used in funerals. It has been used when people are struggling through difficult times. Other people have used it as a devotion, as they talk about who God is and what God means to them. And that's why we want to look at this because I believe it has some significance for us on this Easter Sunday. Now, when you look at this psalm, you will notice, and I want to first say those of you who are, this is your first time to any kind of church a celebration or church service. Uh, some of you might not be familiar with the Bible. Let me just simply say a psalm is a poem or a song that is lifted up that is written so that it can be used in the context of worship. So they would pray these psalms or they would sing these psalms. So that's what a psalm is. And as you look at this psalm, you'll notice that it is written by David. And David, before he became the king of Israel, he was a shepherd. Now, what's the significance of this? Because he was a shepherd, he knew very well all that entailed in looking after sheep and knowing the heart of the shepherd. So if you look at Psalm 78, I want to read this passage for you. It says in Psalm 78, verse 70 through 72 in the NIV, it says this. He chose David, his servant, he being God, chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep, he brought him to, and please say this yellow section out loud with me, to be what? The shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. So we see here, David, as being a shepherd, he was called out of that so that he could actually lead God's people. So if there's anyone who was qualified to talk about who God is as he's the shepherd to us being the sheep, as we will see later, that David was the person who was most qualified to talk about this. Now, as he's drawing this reference of God being the shepherd and us being the sheep, one of the things you will notice is that there are a lot of parallels into life. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to read the whole psalm. Psalm 23. So if you have your Bibles, you can read along with me, or if you just want to look at the screen, uh, it's right in front of you. It says this in Psalm chapter 23, uh, starting from verse 1 and all the way. There's six verses. I'm going to read it. And then we normally read it in the ESV, the English Standard Version. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So as we look at this psalm, here's David, who was once a shepherd and now shepherding and leading God's people he writes a psalm, and I think there are many important lessons that we can learn from this. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just look at six things, just take one verse at a time, six lessons, or if you want to look at it as traits of God that we can apply it into our lives. Here are the six things. The first thing is this. You will notice that he shepherds us. That's the first thing, that he 
shepherds us. In verse 1, David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I think one of the most beautiful illustrations of God being the shepherd and us being the sheep is to help to tap into understanding of who God is, but also understanding who we are. Let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, those of you who might not know, sheep are known as some of the dumbest animals. Now, if some of you are not into all the animal stuff, if a sheep decides to go off a cliff, all the other sheep will start following and they'll all fall off the cliff. That's how dumb they are in many ways because they just follow. Another thing you will notice about sheep is that they are very dependent animals. They cannot survive on their own. They need a shepherd. They need someone to guide them, to lead them into pasture so they can eat, even bringing them water or bring them to a place where there's some water because they will not be able to survive on their own. And that's why they're also known as very helpless animals, that they are dependent and they need other people around them. And that's why the sheep needs a shepherd in order to stay healthy and to be alive. And the beautiful thing about the shepherd is this, that he knows every single one of their sheep by name. This is very important because you talk to any shepherd, uh, that we still have shepherds today in this modern age, that they know their sheep by name. They know and they can distinguish one sheep from another. Another thing you will notice about a lot of the shepherds now is that they're able to really make sure that they are not walking into dangers. That's why if you look at some of the pictures or videos that you will see, they're oftentimes in the front and leading. And once they get into the pasture, then he allows them to go and he's watching over them. This is the reason why David uses this illustration and imagery of God being the shepherd and us being the sheep. Now, I know it might be very offensive for some of us to think that uh, we're called as sheep, as helpless and dependent and maybe sometimes dumb, but can I just challenge us with some questions? Like, how many of us remember a time where we did some dumb things? I, I mean, think about it. Th there are times when we don't think and we just do things and we're like, oh, that was so dumb. Why did I do that? When you think about our lives, I mean, how many of us have made decisions and we would have been so grateful if we were guided and directed and led. And even when we think about our lives, how many times have you wandered away from the care of God and the love of God because you decided you're going to go your own way? And that's why I think David, in writing the psalm, is drawing this comparison. And I want you to see it. I'm going to translate this first verse into different translations so that you can, you can, I want to read it to you in different translations so that you can understand what David is trying to communicate. In the Amplified Version, it says this, The Lord is my shepherd to feed, to guide, and to shield me, I shall not want. So that, that's, what, that's what the shepherd does. He feeds us, He guides us, and He shields us, which is protecting us. That's why there is no want. Here's another translation, the voice translation. It says this, The eternal, referring to God, is my shepherd. He cares for me always. I hope you got that, that He cares for us always. But the problem for many of us is that instead of turning to God, we turn to so many other things in this world. And this is the reason why David knew and understood through experience that he shall not want. Now, why is this important? Because the phrase, I shall not want, is not just a phrase of not wanting something in that moment, but it's a very multi-directional understanding of want. Let, let me put it this way. It is from the perspective from the past. What I mean by that is simply he thought about all the times that God provided for him, that God guided him, that God protected him. And then he comes to that realization, I shall not be in want. There's nothing that I want because I realize that God has been leading me and guiding me. It is also a declaration of confidence looking into the future. Why? Because he has done all these things, because I'm experiencing that right now, that when I look into the future, I shall not want. There's going to be nothing that I will desire more than God. So that's why when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He is looking at it from the lens of the past, the present, and even into the future, which is a very powerful thought. 
I'm wondering this morning, can you say that about God and about your life? That God is your shepherd? That there's, you're not in want? Because he has provided for you in the past and he's providing for you right now and he will continue to provide for you in the future. What it should produce in us is not only gratitude, but confidence in who God is and what he does. That's why that phrase, I shall not want, in other translations is translated as this. In the New Living Translation, it says, I have all that I need. Everything that I need, all the basics. He might not give us all the things we want, but he gives us what we need at that moment. The Living Bible Translation says this, I have everything that I need. Think about that for a moment. Many of us are wanting this, wanting that, but that's not what we need. I want, I want a relationship. I want this job. I want to go into this school. I want to get into this exchange. That's what you want. But it might not be what you need. But God does know. And that's why it's about trust, trusting in this God. Even though that turning to God, who is our great shepherd, is the wisest thing to do. But as many of us know, we turn away from him and turn to other things. In fact, the prophet Isaiah talks about that. About how we have turned away like a sheep away from God, our shepherd. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6a, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. And in the bold yellow, will you just repeat that after me and say it out loud? It says this, All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. How true that is. That we like sheep, we have gone our own way. We decided, God, I don't need you. I, I can figure this out. God, I, I want this, so you're not going to give it to me, so I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to manipulate situations to get this. Look at some of these other translations of verse 1. It says this is the message translation. We, we're all like sheep who have what? Come on, say this. Wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. Look at this other translation, the voice that says this. We all have wandered off like shepherdless sheep, scattered by what? Our aimless striving and endless pursuit. This describes us so well. Look at our lives and where we are right now. Because we're aimlessly trying to strive for success. We're aimlessly trying to pursue after all these things. And where does it leave us? We have turned away from God. That's why for some of us, our lives are a mess. This is the reason why some of you are struggling with mental health, emotional health, and even just physical health for whatever reason that you have engaged yourself in certain things that are not helpful for us. This is the reality of life. That's why David, when he chose to use this imagery of God being the shepherd and us being the sheep, is because he's talking about not only that God loves us and he takes care of us, but listen, we as sheep, we're turning away from God. And we need to come to a point where we realize that wherever we are, we cannot live this life apart from God, that we need Him in our lives. Because Jesus is alive, because He resurrected from the dead, our lives can only thrive if we allow Him to shepherd us if we allow him to shepherd us. Let me quickly jump into now the second thing that we notice here in the second verse. The second thing is that he not only shepherds us, but he attends to us. He attends to us. In verse 2, David says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Um, my wife and I, just uh, yesterday, we went to Shamshay Po to run some errands. And then we discovered that there's this new cafe. I mean, I don't know, if, I don't know where you live, but all I can say is that I know at one point Shamshay Po was known as for certain things, but now it's like a hipster place. It is like happening. Like I'm seeing cafes everywhere and barbers everywhere, but, but no need. But anyway, I was thinking like everywhere you see, it's like all these hipsters. And so we decided to go into this one cafe. And as we were there, we're like, wow, this is really cool because the concept of this cafe was kind of unique. And so we're there waiting and we wanted to get some water. And I mean, albeit they were a little bit busy, but still I, I said it three times. 
if we can have some glass and the water was all gone, if we can have some water and some more glasses so we can have water as we're waiting for our food. So the first time I said it, they're like, okay, okay, we'll, we'll get that for you. And then we're waiting, we're waiting, and then uh, the server comes and drops off one part of our food. And then I'm like, oh, can we get some water, please? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then waiting and waiting, and then no water. And finally, you know, usually first time, a lot of grace. Second time, eh. And then the third time, I'm like, okay, we, we, we need to take some uh, action. We're going to be proactive. Men, uh, please remember that. Uh, be proactive. And so I actually went up, and I, I, I said one more time, I just said, can we get some water? And they felt really bad. So it was cool. So we, we were able to get some water. And I was just sitting there thinking, and I didn't say it out loud to Christina because I know what she was like. She goes, oh, my God, there you go again. So in my mind, I was thinking this by myself. I was thinking to myself, wow, like there's a difference between like a five-star restaurant or like a couple-star Michelin restaurant and like this cafe that has a cool vibe, but, you know, they don't attend to you as you would want them to. And so something about that word attend is where we get the word even attention, where someone is paying attention to you. And we see here in this psalm that God is not only the shepherd where we will not want, but what does he do? As we have just read, he makes us lie down on green pastures, and then what? He leads us beside still waters. Why is this important? Because when you think about this passage where it talks about lying down in green pastures, it is more than just food. Because I had to do some research on this, and what I found out was that when it's green pastures, these are uh, grass that's really high. And so because it's high, what it does is that it, it's cool when you could lie right on that grass. And so what it does is refreshes us. So it's almost a shepherd Knowing that we're weary and tired, he brings us to these green pastures so that we can not only eat and be f fed and be nourished, but then we also can rest and to be refreshed in that way. I think that's what God does to us, that he gives us this refreshment and gives us this rest. He attends to us. He knows exactly what we're going through. In fact, that's what Jesus said when he said, all those who are weary and heavy burdened, he said, come unto me, that I will give you rest. Heavy burden from all the rules and all the regulations of Christianity to come and rest and find that refreshment that can only be found in him and him alone. And I think this reminds us that in this refreshment, this is where we can flourish as he allows us to lie down in green pastures and to bring us to still waters. Because a lot of the sheep, when the water is turbulent, they will not drink. So when it's still waters, there's a sense of peace and they're able to get refreshed. That's what Jesus tells us. He tells his followers to not to be fearful because he has overcome the world. John chapter 16, verse 33. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says this, I have told you, this is Jesus speaking, telling his followers, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world, that Jesus has overcome the world. The message translation says this, I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. And in this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. So we're not exempt for it. We're going to continue to face difficulties. But it says, take heart. I have conquered the world. Because Jesus is alive. Our lives can thrive if we believe and have faith that he will attend to you. So once again, as we looked at the, these two first points, is that he shepherds us, and secondly, that he attends to us. Now, I want you to look at the third thing here, that he not only shepherds us and he attends to us, but he values us. He values us. In verse 3, David says this, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness 
for his name's sake. Let me read it again. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Once again, there will be difficulties and hardships that you will face in your life. But the key thing, and in this verse, verse 3, is that Jesus leads us to paths of righteousness, which means that God is the one who will be directing us and guiding us. It's God who will do this, not ourselves. We're not going to be blindly trying to follow. We're not going to try to go on our own, but it says he will lead us into paths of righteousness. He is going to lead us to the right way. And the question is, is why? Because I want to tell you this morning, because he loves you and he cares for you and he wants the best for you. This is why he is willing to lead you. That means that he values us. You know, uh, our family, we just recently downsized. And as we're downsizing, I realized that there are a lot of things that we had to get rid of because there's no more room in the new place. And it, it, it was a very grueling, I mean, praise God, my wife did most of the work. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and just give praise to Jesus for my wife. Men, find someone who loves you and loves Jesus. But uh, I had to clean up myself, which was a pretty big chunk of the thing that we had to move. And because I knew we were downsizing, I had to go through all my clothing. I had to go through all my knickknacks and I go through all the stuff that I had. My wife is like, you have too many shoes. And she's like telling me all this and that. I'm like, no, no. And so I had to go through this whole process of what do I value? Because if we have a limited space, is it this shirt? Which is one of my favorite shirts from like 15 years ago. You know that shirt that you wore and you, you kind of experienced God in that shirt? Or is it going to be this other shirt that's also very special? You know, is it this life group shirt? No, I'm just kidding. Or is it that life group? I'm just kidding. But I was just like, what do I get rid of? And it was this thing that I had to ask myself, what is it that I value? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to throw this away. Or we're going to donate this thing. But this whole process of trying to make a decision because you value something, I realized, God, that you value us so much that you have chosen us and that you are literally leading us into paths of righteousness the right way. And I think that's a powerful thought for many of us as we think about how he is now leading and guiding us. He values us. But this is the part that I want you to notice here. But he does all these things, not only because he values you, but because it's for his namesake. While he values you, at the same time, it's not about you. It's not all about you. It's because it's about his greater glory and what he desires to do. It says for his namesake. It's always for his glory. Everything that he does, everything that you're going through is for his glory. That's why in Romans chapter 8, as we have been studying it uh, on Sundays in the book of Romans, in verse 28, it says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. That all things are working for good, for whose good? Not only our good, but ultimately for His good, for His glory. And it's according to His, his purpose, not our purpose, but his purpose. So because Jesus is alive, we can only thrive if we know that he values us. So once again, what we have covered thus far is that he shepherds us, he attends to us, and he values us. And the fourth thing that you will notice is that he interacts with us, that he interacts with us. In verse 4, David said this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God does not just leave us to ourselves. Well, you go ahead and handle it, or you're on your own. But it says here very clearly that he's constantly, and you'll see this all throughout your life, he is constantly interacting with you. He is doing everything to help you to see how much he loves you. He's even using circumstances and difficulties in your life so that he can get your attention. When you are crying out in pain or whatever you're going through in your life, he hears us. And there is this intimate relationship that David knew about God and with him. And now he's sharing that this is the God who not only shepherds us and attends to us and values us, 
but he is interacting with us, especially when we go through some of the most difficult things and the difficult times of our lives. The imagery of the valley of the shadow of death, it, it's really a cliff. If you, if you want to kind of look at it, 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 it's a picture of this huge cliff. And there are these ravines in this area. And because it's so slippery and dangerous, they call it the valley of the shadow of death. Because one wrong move, you fall in. Especially if you look at the Middle East and that's some of the areas where uh, some of these uh, letters were written in the Bible. You will notice that there are these incredible terrains in the Middle East and near Jerusalem, Judea, and some of these other areas. And that's why when you think about this, when, when he says, even though you go through these difficult and dangerous things, David says, I will fear no evil. That phrase, the valley of the shadow of death, is better translated as valley of deep darkness. That's a better Hebrew translation, is that when I go through the valley of deep darkness, I shall fear no evil. And that's why many times you might feel like there's this cloud over you, this darkness. And you're going deeper into maybe even depression. Some of us are struggling with depression. This valley of deep darkness and the shadow of death. But David says, I shall fear no evil. And the part that I want you to notice is that David says, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Why is this important? Because when you look at a lot of the shepherds, they carry this staff and they have this rod that's kind of like beside them because they will use that to fight off some of the other wild animals. And it is through the staff where he's able to lead and guide the people. And so it's, it's such an important visual imagery because even throughout the Bible, we see how God led them. If you know your Bible, you know the story of Moses when he led his people with the staff when he split the Red Sea. And the imagery that Jesus used of him being the shepherd is that he's guiding us and leading us and protecting us. And that's why he should fear no evil. It's a reminder that God is constantly watching over us and protecting us because he's interacting with us. He's watching us. It's kind of like if you, if you uh, are a parent and you're watching this, you know when your child was young. You cannot just be look away and just do whatever. Did you ever see those videos of those super dads who are just kind of on their phones and all of a sudden, and they grab their kid? Like that dad instinct. Like you got to watch your kid constantly because if you don't interact with them, some of them cry, some of them run off to other things and they can get hurt. And so here's God who is the good shepherd. He's interacting with us because he's watching us even as we're going through the valley of deep darkness, the valley of shadow of death. But then David says, I fear no evil because you are with me because this rod and staff is guiding me. This reminds us of other passages in the Bible. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 in the NIV says this, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So once again, great reminders and promises in the word of God. Because Jesus is alive. And if we want to thrive, we have to believe that his presence is there with us no matter what we're going through. And so that we will be able to experience the things that he has for us. He interacts with us. we got to believe that. The last two is this. The fifth one is not only does he shepherd us, he attends to us, he values us, he interacts with us, but we see the fifth thing in the fifth, fifth verse is that he overflows in us. In verse 5, David says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now, this is a part where there's a change in the scenery. It's no longer like out in the open field. But one of the things that we begin to see is that here is David now talking about this idea of a gracious host. He is now bringing forth, God is, 
and allowing us to sit at a table. It is the idea of hospitality that he's inviting us in. Now, what, what is the thing that is comforting David right now is that even in the midst of all his enemies, those people who are against him, he is now being invited to sit at this table that God has prepared and that as we're sitting at the table, we are fellowshipping with him. And in the midst of being able to interact and to fellowship and to know God deeply, you will notice that even in the impending danger and the enemies that are against him, that there's food and there's this cup that overflows. Now, this imagery of anointing head, a head with oil was a refreshing and a soothing idea especially in the Old Testament. And what it does is here is this host who happens to be God who's the shepherd. It's putting out a big spread of food because he loves us. He's interacting with us. He values us. He attends to us and he's shepherding us. And he allows us to come and sit at this table and he's nourishing us, feeding us. The cup represents abundance. That's why when it says my cup overflows is that he's putting so much into this that there's an abundance of everything that we ever need, God is going to provide. What a powerful thought that this cup overflowing is this idea of God who is a generous God, who is pouring out himself and his blessings into our lives. And he provides all the joys that we need in the necessities of life. Because Jesus is alive, our lives can only thrive if we know that he overflows in us. He doesn't just give us just a little bit, but he overflows. Do you need forgiveness? There is an overflowing abundance as your cup will overflow with his forgiveness. Do you need peace? He will give us peace that will overflow into this cup. Do you need the sense of assurance that his presence and his strength is there so that he will overflow into our cups. Let me finish with this last point. And the last point is this. He not only shepherds us as we talked about thus far, but he also attends to us. He values us. And then we said that he interacts with us. And then he overflows in us. And lastly, we will see in verse 6 that he reaches out to us that he reaches out to us. In verse 6, David says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to focus in on the word mercy. So God is good. He is perfect. Everything that he does is good. We can testify to it. But the word that I want you to focus in on is the word mercy. Why is this word important? Because this word mercy is where we get the Hebrew word hesed. And this word hesed, it simply means that it is the covenant and the loyal love of God. It is that very love that God gave to the Israelite people that I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will not allow anything to happen to you, even though you are unfaithful, even though you turn away. I will continue to be committed to you. I mean, think about that for a moment. How many of you have experienced this kind of love? Because in the world, it's pretty much you scratch my back and I'll scratch your back. You do this for me and then I'll do this for you. Everything is conditional. You hurt me, then I'm going to hurt you. You treat me this way and I'm going to treat you that way. But here it says that it's his love, not only his goodness, but his mercy, the hesed love, the covenantal love will follow me all the days of my life. And I want you to catch that phrase, all the days of my life. It's for the entirety of your life, however long you will live, up to 60, 70, 80 some years, if not more. He, his love, his hesed love will follow you all the days of your life, the length of days. It's for however long God has for you here on this earth. That's why I think this is a great reminder for us. That he's constantly reaching out to us. We like sheep have strayed away. But Jesus Christ, he's constantly reaching out. 
he will follow you. Some of you are trying to run away from God. Some of you just say, you know what? I've given up on this Christianity. Maybe some of us, we've been hurt by other people, other Christians. And you know what? I don't want to have anything to do with this. Maybe some of us, we've been lifting up some prayers and we're asking God to intercede because there's a situation at home, situation in our lives, and it just seems like God is not answering. So you know what? God, you're not working for me, and so I'm just going to leave you onto the side. See, the problem is God hasn't given up on us, but we have given up on God. But even in the midst of us giving up on God, what does it say? That His goodness and His hesed love, the covenantal love, the mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Just think about that for a moment. That he will follow us in his goodness, in his mercy, wherever we go. That's why the psalmist, even David, once again, he wrote in Psalm 139. What did he say? He goes, if I go to the highest mountains, you are there. If I go to the deepest parts of the world, you are there. And he says, where can I go from your spirit, O God? There's nowhere I can go because everywhere I go, you are there. Because he has knit us together in our mother's womb. He knows us. He cares for us. He values us. He's attending to us. He's interacting with us. And he values us more than you know. That's why this psalm is a good reminder that because Jesus is alive, our lives can only thrive if we are convinced that he reaches out to us. Now, as you think about this, the thing I want you to think about is why is this psalm given as it points to Jesus? It's because in John 10, it says that Jesus is the good shepherd. And so what happened was Jesus Christ came into this world and lived the perfect life that you and I could not live. Because here we are, the only way to get to heaven is to live a perfect life. And some of us are trying, and there have been many people who have tried to obey all the laws and do all the regulations, but we constantly fall short. That's what the Bible tells us, that we have fallen short of the glory of God. So here's Jesus coming in the form of a man, a human being, and he lived a life that you and I could not live. He lived it for us. He obeyed everything that God commanded. And here's the thing, when we think about God's punishment, God should have punished us because we sinned against God. We're like the sheep who have strayed. We've turned away, each of us, to our own separate ways. We wanted to do what we wanted to do. But God said, no, no, I'm going to allow Jesus to take your place and die on that cross. That's what we celebrated or we remembered on Friday in, in Good Friday. Is that Jesus took our place and died on the cross. That should have been our death, our punishment for our sins against a holy God. It would have been just. But he died for us. So there's this great exchange. Our sin, we surrender to God and he gives us Jesus' righteousness. We give our imperfections and God gives us this perfected life that is in Christ Jesus. Because there is nothing we can do to save ourselves. The only thing that we have is to be able to understand this gospel message that God is inviting us to his kingdom. That he's saying, is it a kingdom of, of this world? That it, it, it's not a kingdom of this world. You cannot fully understand. It's a supernatural kingdom where there's a king who is Jesus Christ, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we are his citizens once we trust and put our faith in Jesus Christ. And he will have things for us more than just salvation, but for a purpose in life, a sense of peace. That's why when we looked at Psalm 23, that's what we saw, didn't we? That we, like sheep, we've gone our own separate ways, but He's shepherding us. He's doing that right now in your life. He's attending to you, the things that you're going through in your life. He's paying attention. 
and he values you more than you will ever know. You might not put value in yourself, but God does. That's why he created you. You are a miracle because God loves you and he had a plan for you, and he still does. And as you're thinking through this, you're like, wow, I can't believe this. And I can actually interact with this God? Yes, because he's interacting with you. He has been ever since you were young and you were born and all the way till now. And he will never stop. He overflows in you because he has given us all spiritual blessings, the Bible says. And that it's not just enough, but it overflows in us. He says, come, and he puts a table before us amongst our enemies so we can feast and enjoy as we put our attention on him. And even if you have strayed and if you are even right now straying, he reaches out to us. That's why when you think about all these six traits, what do we see? It's right in front of you on the screen. Is that he is our savior. He is not only our shepherd, as we talked about, but he attends to us, that he values us, and that he interacts with us, and that he overflows in us, and that he reaches out to us. So that's why he is our Savior. He is our Savior. I pray that you will put your trust in him. For some of you, this might be the first time that you actually believe in Jesus Christ as being your Savior, that he died and rose again. I pray that you'll make that decision. Your life will never be the same. You will never regret it. He will do all the things that we just studied today. To those of us who are believers, may this cause us to recommit our lives to him, that he died and rose again, and now he is our Savior. And because Jesus is alive we are now able to live our lives in such a way that we thrive. Let's not just survive, but let's thrive. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.